Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Players NIL podcast and my special guest today, Mr. John Sardella. John, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Mark. I appreciate it. It's great to, you know, uh, rekindle with you. You know, we haven't talked in a while. We, you called me when uh, Jameson had the opportunity to become a lacrosse coach again, you know, over at Hopkins, you go back to his alma mater and we connected and, you know, it was just wonderful because of the almost 30 years that we've known each other. And it's really great to be on your podcast and have the opportunity to share my story because you know a lot of my story, which is great. I do. And uh, we're both wearing Under Armour today. Uh, not planned. Although I am in Baltimore, it is game day for the Johns Hopkins Blue Jays. So go Jays. Um, ladies and gentlemen, John is a, a unique guest here because he comes from such a tremendous athletic background and he's used athletics to better his life and the people around him. And I, I wrote down a couple of uh, titles here and it starts with athlete. It goes to father. It goes to husband. It goes to educator, author, and one thing that's been constant is friends. So um, the beginning of the podcast, John, we just want to, you know, kind of talk about your relationship with athletics, you know, where it all began, an experience, a game, a relative, somebody bought you a glove, somebody bought you a stick, you know, where did it start and how did you become interested and how did you become an athlete? Well, I, I appreciate that, Mark. Uh, what happened was I, I had the I was very fortunate. I went to Moses DeWitt Elementary School in the Jamesville DeWitt School District. And being part of Moses DeWitt, it's where my father taught. So I used to travel with my dad to school and everything. And in the morning, um, you know, I used to stay there with him, but I made a I had a relationship with the phys ed teacher. And the phys ed teacher was our varsity lacrosse coach. And what the phys ed teacher, Tony Hammer, did was he had us at seven years old, second grade, playing lacrosse. He introduced the stick to us, and I fell in love with it almost immediately. And not only did I fall in love with it, but my family fell in love with the sport. My parents found a passion of following me and my brother, who ended up, my brother Billy went to West Point, played lacrosse there. Um, but they followed us through all of our years of playing the game. But it really started at seven years old at Moses DeWitt. We would get lacrosse sticks. We were taught the fundamentals, how to pass and catch. Also, we were taught how to play in a game. And we used to have old football helmets with chicken wire on the face mask. And we would have leather gloves. They all stunk, but with wooden sticks. So we have the wooden sticks that we would go out there and everybody would play. Now, the history of James Old DeWitt lacrosse is we always were a strong program. They've had about six state championships. And at my time, we had four elementary schools. And by the time I got to high school and I went through the ranks, the, probably 90% of the players on our high school team were all from Moses DeWitt. But it was the feeder program for the school, which made us competitive against the West Jennies, the Lafayettes of the world, gave us a chance to be a ch sectional champion. And then down the road, as we kept building the program, the Bill, Bill, Bill Grant, the program just kept building and building to where it is very strong today. But I fell in love with lacrosse the moment I had the stick. And it really just was part of my life forever. And it still is today, 50 years. I'm 58 years old, and that was 51 years ago. 
But what it did was it gave me an opportunity to go to college. I played college lacrosse. Beyond college lacrosse, I had the opportunity to be part of programs. And that's where you and I met. And I was coaching at LeMoyne College. I was coaching at Liverpool High School. But I also had the opportunity where I was able to help lead a youth lacrosse program. But I did it with the philosophy that I had with people around me buying into it. It was a developmental league. We wanted to keep it, you know, grades three through eight, but we had to absorb high school kids because of the simple fact they didn't have something that was collective for everybody. And what happened was by doing a youth program, it then led into other things. It led into me being part of a, my first publication of how to start a successful youth cross program. I consulted with people all over the country, along with consulting with people all over the country, they built their program on the model that was created with the Bull League. And it was a systematic approach. It was, hey, you look at, you got the federal government, you got the state governments. Well, what you have to do is you have to have somebody lead it, but the states still have to lead it their own way. You were part of Casanova and you put that together and it fit in the model. And it was very exciting. It was powerful, but lacrosse led from, okay, as a player, then as a coach, as an administrator. But in addition, I was a teacher at the same time. And I wanted to incorporate teaching lacrosse to kids in another form. And that was then my first publication, my first children's book publication of Ellis for Lacrosse. And Ellis Lacrosse was picked up by US Lacrosse, sold copies all over the world, did book signings with people I never thought I'd do book signings with. And I just experienced people and I met people and it gave me, it gave me this power of confidence that if I had a vision of something, I could do it. And the sport provided that opportunity for me. The sport gave me a venue, gave me a platform to be able to make a difference in kids by coaching, by administering, by writing and all the above. It was just a powerful tool. So then as I stepped away from the youth program, I still always coached. I've coached boys lacrosse for over 35 years at the high school level. I've coached and at the youth level. I've coached now, I'm down in Florida and I'm coaching, you know, I've been there uh, two years coaching girls lacrosse after 35 years of coaching boys lacrosse. And to me, because of the losing my wife and, you know, uh, going through some hardships myself, it's become my therapy. It's become the purpose of something that I can do every day and have full enjoyment and know I'm making a difference with kids, but I'm also making a difference in the community. And I'm also have the power to be able to take that tool and use the, utilize it in many different facets. It's pretty powerful. Yeah. So this has provided me the ability to have opportunities to meet people, to make a difference in kids, and to now have a conversation with you, which is powerful. Yeah. Well, you know, I just let you go there because it's really, it's really great. And it's what the players NIL is all about. You know, we want to use sports uh, to better ourselves and to create opportunities. You know, I have this philosophy about parenting and it's uh, the two greatest things you can give your kids are confidence and opportunity. And there's different ways to do that. It could be music, it could be theater, it could be art, it could be, you know, just holding their hand and going for a walk. But many of us, you and I included, uh, we were afforded the opportunity to use sports to accomplish those things and thankful for our parents. Both of our parents are educators 
and both my parents went to Cortland State, uh, where you went, and uh, you know, big influence on my life. And so, athletics has been tremendous uh, in giving me opportunities, and my children as well. Um, tell us some of the, some of the things that you tried to instill in your teams. You've had thousands of kids come through your system, literally thousands. You yeah. can't remember them all, but maybe is there a case study where you had somebody that maybe was on the edge and you were able to instill some confidence in them and it created Absolutely. an opportunity? I've got a great story to share with you. Great. And, but I also, when you, when you talk about whether it's, it's the arts or whether it's sports for somebody, it's all about finding a passion in something because a passion balances out your life. Passion's about, you know, okay, you have your faith, family, friends, you have your integrity. But then you also have passion. It helps balance all those things out because if you become, if you're one dimensional, then what happens is you are very narrow minded focused. But when you have a passion and you're multidimensional, it's amazing what you can accomplish. You asked me about a, you know, an impact on a player. I might even get emotional when I tell you this story because it's so powerful. And it's in the book that I wrote, you know, how to, uh, a journey without a map. Because one of the chapters in the book that when I, it was a memoir about losing my wife was about connections with others. So here I have a head coach who I'm working with, Mike Felice. And Mike Felice became our varsity head coach back in, geez, it's probably 12 years now, 12 years ago, 20 years younger than me. Great guy, great lacrosse mind, All-American, scored the winning goal in 2006 against Cortland, or for, against Salisbury for Cortland, won the national championship. I always bust his chops and call him the legend, you know, when he walks around and stuff and he just laughs at me. But I knew him as a child. And Mike himself was a, was a person who himself had his own battles. He had cancer when he was a child, lost his mother at a young age, like my kids lost their mother at a young age. And we connected as coaches and we became great friends and it was a mentee-mentor type of relationship. And Mike was somebody I used to talk to a lot about losing my wife and the challenges of that. Well, Mike, what ended up happening was when my wife knew she was close to her demise, she went and talked to Mike. They had a great relationship and said, I took two years off to take care of her. And she said, <clears throat> she said, make sure John coaches again when I'm gone. And because of that relationship, <clears throat> sorry about that, Mark, but because of that relationship, I got back into coaching and realized the importance of that in my life because it was therapeutic and it helped me to move forward in my life. That's a coach to a coach relationship. I'm 20 years older than him. He understands that he gets it. And that's the power of what a sport does. I had another relationship with a player and a player specifically, I started coaching him when he was in third grade, was part of our nine, uh, 2012 championship lacrosse team at Liverpool, beating West Jenny in, in overtime to win the sectional championship. I had a group of boys, but one particular was Brian Capone. And Brian Capone was a defenseman. Brian Capone was a coachable, a leader, all the pieces that he had. 
but he went through some difficult times with his parents splitting and, you know, the challenges that a child faces as he's going in high school and that's happening. And so I always had a great relationship with his mom and his mom, if Brian was struggling, would say, hey, coach, can you have a conversation with Brian? And I said, oh, absolutely. That's easy for me because he's such a wonderful kid and, and he's coachable and he's receptive to the information. So I would have a conversation with him, help him out. He would respond favorably to it. And then he went to college. And when he went to college, he ended up um, going to University of Vermont, uh, was a solid D1 player, started his first game as a freshman, was a leader on the team. And he did well. He was a team player, had great chemistry with the team, but record-wise, they were struggling. So after their first year, he goes into his sophomore year starting defense again. And coach wants to make some changes because they're not having success. So he ends up being pulled and watching a couple games. He's not used to this. He's just started about, you know, 20 games in his career. And now he's pulled and he's struggling. So his mom gave me a call. Can you talk to Brian? I said, oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. He's great kid. I'll talk to Brian. So, hey, Brian, keep your head up. Keep your head up. And everything's going to be okay, you know. And he, oh, thanks, coach. Thanks. And it was great. So what ends up happening is from there, um, going into his junior year, the coach decides they're bringing in an Army SEAL team and they're going to take all 50 players and they're going to run them through for a week through training. And they said, you'll know who our leader is. At the end, the top person was Brian Capone. Nice. He became the leader and he was captain for his last years at University of Vermont. Yeah. And he was motivated by that. And he was inspired by it and went, you know, and his mom tells me, oh, my Lord, this is what happened, you know, and I'm texting him. Congratulations. I'm so proud of you. Thanks, coach. You know, so time goes by. He graduates. He lives in New Zealand today. Just a wonderful kid. Just persevere. A great person. All the qualities you want. So my wife passes away five years ago and I'm sitting around on the couch with my kids and I get a phone call <clears throat> and it's Brian Capone. And these are the words he spoke, Mark. Coach, he's been there for me. Now I'm here for you, whatever you need. That's powerful. And I thanked him. He was at every moment of the ceremonies, you know, the wake, this funeral service, and we still stay in touch today. And we connect, but that's the power of sport. The power of sport, the power of a child going to college, the power of, I had the opportunity to mentor him, coach him, mentor him, guide him, but also encourage him. And then in turn, he took those lessons and he became the person encouraging me. Powerful. Well, it's, powerful. It's, yeah, I can I can feel the emotion. I can see it. I can, uh, and I and I hear you, man. It's uh, it's it's great, and and it's what we want to do, right? And we want to give back, right? And yeah. so it's a great story. And congratulations, Brian. I'm sure there's hundreds more, but that's yeah. a great example of you using athletics to better yourself, to better your relationships, and to better the people around you, which is what the players NIL is all about. Let's fast forward through that. I want to talk a little bit about your career as an author. Um, The first uh, book, which I just received, by the way, I haven't read it yet, is The Journey Without a Map. 
And we want to uh, give you a minute to talk about that, but also want to talk about uh, Quick Stick Harry. And, yeah. and, and tell people quickly, <laughs> give us a quick synopsis on why you wrote the books, what they're about, and where can we get them uh, if we want to share them with others. Fantastic. So um, what happened was, you know, like I said, when I did the Youth League, I wanted to have a, uh, some kind of educational component that went with it. And I was had, had the opportunity to create Ellis for Lacrosse, an ABC book. Um, so like I said, sold thousands of copies, contacted people all over the country. It was great. 15 years U.S. lacrosse sold it. I uh, had some great opportunities. Then I became a principal. Then I was raising three kids with my wife. Uh, then I was uh, coaching, you know, on and off during that time. Um, and I put my writing on hold. But I always knew that I was going to write something more of a leadership style type of book. So I retired in 2017 and all of a sudden in 2018, I said, I'm going to give myself a year of retirement, just do nothing and just clear my mind. And about a year later, I went back to the writing process. And meanwhile, you know, I'm writing notes down about all these stories, Brian Capone being one of those stories. Um, stories about, you know, our adventures going to Dana-Farber with my wife and the, you know, the beams on the wall and, you know, the construction workers writing the beams on the wall. And it talks about how, where were your names be? What beams are you on? You on? Where did you leave your legacy? You know, I give a speech, I talk about that. And I say, my legacy is coaching. My legacy, I'm on the beams of Purple Central School District because I made a difference there between being a teacher, a principal, and a coach. And so I leave that and I, in the last part of that book says, I know my legacy, do you know yours? And it makes people think as they exit out away from that. But what happened is, so I hook up with a publisher, I have all these ideas and they're just a bunch of powerful stories. And I was going to organize it like, you know, connections and perseverance and this and that, you know, and there's a lot of books out there like that. And my, so I sent the draft to my publisher. We discussed the book and my publisher says, well, John, actually the story is you. It's about you and your, your experience with your wife. And many of these stories tie right into that. And they were correct. And so we go through the process for a whole year and also the book comes out and it's published and it ends up, uh, I was this close to a New York Times bestseller hundred books away. <laughs> and, um, you know, it was, it was just a really neat experience, but the power of the book was, I always knew I was going to do something different, but my wheelhouse was really children's books, but the power of a journey without a map has connected me to others to be able to help them and support them to good through grief. And that really is what it's about. A lot of people have somebody die in their life and they feel they're very alone. When they read the book, they realize they're not alone. Right. that there is somebody who also has gone through it. So then after that, I ended up saying, I, always, I went to my archives and I had brainstorming ideas about quick stick Harry and Harry's my son. And I was like, quick stick is a great term to use. And it was ideas that I had about, okay, quick stick Harry plays attack, quick stick Harry plays midfield. And it was more informational and educational like that. But I said, I want to change it up. So I created Quick Stick Harry and the Ball Hawk. 
and it's for kids, you know, two to 10. It's a primary level type of book, but it's an exciting thing because it also ties in my experience as a, uh, as a youth coach, as a youth administrator and so on and so forth, because you have the parents who are saying to the other kids, you know, oh, it's okay, Billy, if you make a mistake, don't listen to the coach, you know, it's that type of stuff. But then, you know, Billy, you know, the ball hog Billy ends up becoming like the star of the team because all of a sudden he listens to the coach, he becomes a team player and he becomes better. So he becomes a, a teammate. Yeah. He understands that he has a role that he has to do and he has to be better because if he's not a better teammate, the team will turn through that. And then Quick Stick Harry and the legend of Laxbro Johnny, because you know, there's all these Laxbro dudes, man, in the lacrosse world. And I always thought it would be cool to have Laxbro Johnny. And that's not named after me, John, you know, but I just did it. And it's, but it also gives the history of lacrosse talks about the Native Americans and how they were great warriors and they went and played the game and it kind of brings in the creator of the game. And yeah. so it gives history that way. And so it's just another educational avenue to be able to share the passion that I have with lacrosse. Yeah. And I'm currently, I have a draft, but I don't like it. I've talked to my editor about it and it's just not there, but the third book is going to be uh, Quicksick Harry Meets Ground Ball Gabby. So I'm going to introduce a girl into the series and I'm just trying to figure out how am I going to really write that because I want to have her have a superpower of ground balls and empower young girls to be able to play lacrosse and you know make things great for them too because I just want to be able to be equal with the boys and the girls in the game and so they can really relate to something, which is pretty cool. That's awesome. So writing, yeah, so writing has become a passion of mine and I really enjoy it, but I always need that long creative time to be able to get my words out. And it's just a process. And between the last two years doing three publications, I've kind of put it on hold a little bit. And so we'll see when I get that out there. If someone wants to uh, get a copy of your book, where do they go? What's the website or what's the title? Yep. They can go to johnsardella.com. Uh, that's where all the information is, but they can also go to Amazon. You know, all the, all the book sites uh, on the internet, they're everywhere. Uh, the books all over the country. I've sold the books in literally eight different countries already. Um, and it's, it's all over the world. But as everybody knows, Amazon's pretty easy. You just go to Amazon and click and it's there. So that's probably uh, John the best Sardella, Yeah, johnsardella.com, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, we're, uh, we're getting to the end here, and uh, this is where you get to be the, you know, the ultimate soothsayer and old man and, and, you know, wisdom back to age 19, John Sardella, freshman at Cortland State in Cortland, New York. You know, what's the tagline, John? What's the message as it relates to college kids today with social media opportunities, with name, image, and likeness opportunities, which, which is what we're about, with the, the pitfalls of that and the opportunity to be mm -hmm. successful comes all of these dangerous pitfalls. Give us the tagline. What are you going to say to yourself? You know, what I'm saying to myself is keep your core values intact. Uh, make sure that you keep your faith, family, friends intact and your integrity, most importantly, because what happens is some kids are going to have challenges that they haven't experienced before going to college. And that's just everybody does that. You're leaving home. You're going to be exposed to a lot of different things that could be detrimental to your health, but just to you, period. Um, you're going to be challenged by your peers. You're going to be challenged by the people around you. Most importantly, if you have your core values intact and you keep your integrity, you're going to be able to get through it. But also, if you're a, if you're a top athlete, say, and you're going to get some opportunities to be able to get some money as a player, 
look at the people who, and what they're presenting to you. Don't look at it as just like a money grab, but do it because they actually maybe have some meaning behind it. And with that meeting, know that it might, you know, you might get paid during college, but you may not make it to the next level. Do you still have your education? Do you still have your core values? If you have your core values, your integrity, no matter what, when you graduate, whether you make it to, you know, in our world, we have pro lacrosse, but pro lacrosse, they're still working full time. And, you know, do you have that degree behind you so you can still persevere, you can still be in the business world or whatever you want to do, but you have that foundation set to be able to move forward as you exit out of college. But most importantly, as I started this conversation or this answer was, it's all about core values and having integrity and doing the right thing. Awesome. I, I don't even know what to say other than thank you. And John Sardella, if the word legacy is important, which it is to both of us. You've got one, and you're continuing to grow it, which is awesome. You're, uh, you know, you're you're as excited and as enthusiastic as I remember when I first met you 30 years ago. And uh, congratulations, uh, the people around you are lucky to have you in their lives, and thank you for being my guest on the Players NIL. Absolutely, Mark, and I appreciate it. And thank you for being part of my journey because I remember our days fondly because I learned from you too. And it's amazing how, as you go through life, how certain people come into your life and really have an impression to make a difference. You're one of those for me. So please know that. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right.